Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. We are here today with another phenomenal guest. And this guest here is, is one that uh, I think is going to resonate with, with many of you, uh, because I think a lot of you are feeling some of the similar pressures, um, maybe some some challenges that you're working through, especially I know for those that are in the state of Iowa with legislation around computer science, but I think regardless of where you live, just as we work through the changing landscape of education, how do we continue to adapt and keep our, our work moving forward that, that's relevant and meaningful, not just to our students, but also to ourselves as the educators as we continue to see huge massive burnouts and not a lot of people in the field and i think there's a whole sorts of reasons into that which we won't dive into in this particular episode but i think the idea here with this guest is how do we continue to use our own interest and passions and and skill sets as a spark to our education work that we're doing um, to stay grounded and, and and to keep things exciting for for everybody involved and so the guest today is jenny chamberlain who I know um, she is doing some excellent, phenomenal work in the teacher librarian slash educator slash computer science slash who knows how many other slashes there are on her plate and innovation and everything else um, going on. And so um, I'm really excited to bring her voice here uh, to the show here today. So Jenny, thank you so much for joining. And I know it's not always easy to talk about ourselves, but if we could start off with who are you, what do you do and what in the world do you got going on? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So I'm, like you said, I'm Jenny Chamberlain. I am a well, my role kind of shifted this year. So I'm a K-6 elementary librarian in the Iowa City School District. Um, this year I shifted into the online program in Iowa City. So I do that half time. And then the other half of my job, I am what we call an IDS of innovation, which is essentially an innovation coach, um, where I work with teachers throughout the district um, just to rethink teaching and learning in hopefully some innovative ways. So. So yeah, that's my job professionally. I have three kids also. I have uh, almost 10 year old, an eight year old and a six year old. So they keep me busy. Never a dull moment to say the <laughs> no, least. No, <laughs> no. And so, yeah. So, I grew, yeah, 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 I don't yeah. like dull anyway. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I am curious as we, as we dive into to some of the, of the awesome work and things that you've got going on, you know, what's like kind of your your origin story so i know you're the, you're you're working at innovation in this online platform but that's not obviously uh what you've always been to i say obviously uh, but no, that's not obvious to people who haven't met you before but <laughs> you, you didn't just start there and i think for yep. a lot of us we find ourselves kind of moving and grooving through the education landscape and the longer we're into the job where we change grades or schools or mm -hmm. or, or job titles and so how did you get to this current position? Just so people kind of have a, a background knowledge of all the hats you've worn to get to, to this point. Oh gosh. I feel like I should go back to like even my uh, college orientation because I'm like where I started and where I am now are like sure, on totally sure. different ends of the yeah. spectrum. But 
like when I was in high school, like I thought I was going into like a medical field. I, I also at one point was like, I'm going to go to Harvard Law School. Like I was just like all over the board. And I actually went to, I originally started out as like pre-PA, like physician's assistant. And by day two of orientation, I had switched to pre-nursing. So I started out nurse, doing nursing in school, did that for, I don't know, I can't remember if it was like a full year or just a semester. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> so then I shifted actually to wait for it, business. Hey, there you go. <laughs> shifted to business. And so I did like all the prereqs leading up to that. And um, but actually the, the thing that like pushed me away from that completely was like I had friends in, in business school and like the amount of group work mm. that's involved. I was like, that ain't for me. I am not like my personality. I have what some call a driver personality. So I'm like, no, like that's not, was not for me. And so then I shifted to our education. Hey, oh, I'm telling you, like it's, it's all over the board. And I stayed there. So I finished that. I went to, you know, I got my teaching degree in art, um, student taught, did all the things. And then it was like getting to be the end of that year. And I'm like, I don't want to get a job. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go back to grad school. And I um, stumbled upon the school library program at UNI. And I've always been a reader. And I think any of us, like, when you think about librarians, your first thought is usually books, you know, until you know better. But right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I like books. I like reading. I'm, you know, like, I think that be fun so I went right back to grad school and then um one of my teachers and mentors saw that there she's a former librarian from this school district and she saw there was a halftime opening at Hills Elementary in the Iowa City School District and she's like you should apply for it you know and if you, you know if it works out great and if not you know however and she's like it's halftime so you can keep going to school and so I did, and it was honestly the best thing that I ever did. And I got hired like the week before school started. So <laughs> yeah, so I was halftime library. And then uh, the other, they got me up to like three quarter time for benefits purposes. So I was a para in the kindergarten room, the other part mm. of my day. So that was fun. Um, did a lot of recess duty also. Um, and then the next year, a full-time gig opened up at, a, at Kirkwood Elementary, which is in Corville. And I actually stayed there for about nine years. So I was okay. at Kirkwood for a long time. Um, I still, that place is still so near and dear to me. It's a, it's a high poverty school, high risk students. So I feel like it takes a special kind of pe people to work there. And I, those people that sure. I worked with back then were like, I'll never get it back. I just know that. Um, and then I eventually transferred up to um, Gardner Elementary, which is in North Liberty. I was there for about four years. And then this last year, I was I was feeling a need for a change. And um, the innovation position opened up, which is a halftime release. So I applied for that and got it. And then I kind of was in this waiting game of like, oh, OK, well, what's my other half going to be? And I honestly didn't know until the day after school got out in mm. the spring and I was offered a couple of choices that, you know, we have a couple of, a few schools in our district are halftime librarians based on their size and then the online program. And so I opted for online because I felt like they were a good pairing together. And um, it's been great. I like how they can just kind of, they're both flexible and I can 
you know, weave them together. And, and through my work with our innovation team, we've actually been doing a lot of work with our online program teachers and um, they're the things they do in online learning are, I sit in those PD and I'm like, I'm supposed to be helping you, but I, I think they <laughs> teach me more anyway. So they've been doing it for a little longer than I have. So, right. So yeah, so that's where I'm at now. And then as far as computer science goes, um, you know, that kind of started as back when I was at Kirkwood, I don't even know how I stumbled upon Hour of Code. It was probably through Twitter. Like I got into Twitter back whenever, and it was, I still only really use it for professional purposes. Like I'm not like a seeking out news or sports or anything like that on there. I just sure. follow the people that, that are pertinent to what I want to know about. And so I stumbled on Hour of Code. And so I decided to try that with my students. Um, and so we just kind of did like, you know, the activities that were there. And then it just kind of evolved from there. So then I realized that I could do like courses through out like code.org. So I got my kids into courses. And this is back in a time when like, in my district, like, logins were not very streamlined. <laughs> you know, I had to do a lot more work just yes. to get it set up. But it's yes. like, I'm gonna do it. I want my kids to have this, this you know, access, because the kids I worked with would never have gotten anything like that, you know, like outside of school, like even, you know, at that point in time, really, you only got computer science through like ELP or, um, you know, if you had a, a parent or somebody in your life that was like, you know, kind of drawing you into it. And so then it just kind of evolved from there. And I, I, knew I wanted to make it, you know, more than just like, hey, play these games, because that's what kids, if you do, if there's no instruction with it, that's what they think they're doing, right? Like, right. they don't, like, you might call it coding, but they don't like, the concepts aren't like, explicitly taught. It's like, yeah, I'm locking blocks together. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is a fun game. But um, yeah, so then if you fast forward, we come to COVID. And um uh, another librarian and my, she's now uh, working for the University of Iowa in their school library program, but her name's Jackie Bugier. She and I were tasked with creating the online curriculum for the library mm -hmm. for going into online learning. So there was kind of the district pulled together teachers from all areas to kind of create this online curriculum, not knowing what school is going to look like. Um, and so she and I worked on that and I coding being something that I always like to do, I just worked on that part. And so that kind of, that's kind of what drew like all of us librarians into doing like the same things at the same time. Cause until then, like we have our own standards that we use and like end of year standards and stuff like that, um, that we created within our district. Cause the state does not have like library standards. They have library sure. program standards, but yeah. not. So you kind of have to like, create your own, so to speak. But um, most people were doing some kind of coding. It kind of, you know, same sort of thing. Like they kind of, some just stuck to our code, some kind of did whatever. And so then I created this collection of lessons um, that, um, that they could all use during that time. And so, um, you know, we use those for a year and then the following year we were kind of in that hybrid. So like some, you know, some people, it was like, we didn't have to use that stuff, but you could. And then, um, 
I, I, you know, knowing that I had done a lot of work on it and a lot of teachers, librarians that I work with got a lot of use out of it. And so then um, I decided it was time for a redesign. <laughs> so that's when um, leading up to actually iTech this last fall, um, I finally decided that I was going to share it um, with other people outside of my district. And so I thought, well, I need to make this. I updated some things and um, completely redesigned it because, um, as you know, my graphic design is something that I'm really passionate about. So, like, also, like, seeing these, this, like, lesson template slides that we used all through COVID, I'm like, I don't want to see those ever again. <laughs> like, I'm tired of seeing it. I yeah, don't. Yeah. And I designed it. Like, but it was like, you know, we were in kind of that survival mode because it was like, you know, we only had the summer. And they gave us, I think originally between the two of us, we had like 150 hours total to do this work. And it's oh, like, geez. no, right, right, <laughs> it's right. not going to work. We're not get, like, this is going to be worthless, you yeah. know, like, yeah. or we're going to be putting in a lot of free time, which right. we as teachers all know that that happens. So yeah. they eventually upped it. It was still not enough but like as we got into the year we started kind of crowdsourcing from our peers because we are lucky in Iowa City to have we have at least one librarian in every building whether they're half-time or full-time so we have a lot of expertise at our fingertips and we know that so you know we kind of got like the first chunk done and then we kind of crowdsourced outside of that and then put it together for people and kept it in the same format and everything like that so yeah so that leads us to here and um that's been well received with people after i shared it at itech and then you reached out and my colleagues are still you know utilizing that within the district um and so i utilize it obviously and yeah so i think it'll just keep evolving from there that document that i have it all in i I tell people it's like a living document. Like I right. am consistently, you know, changing. Like even before I presented to your librarians, like I was kind of just going through some things looking. And I'm like, oh, I need to change this. And then I like start, <laughs> I get pulled in. And then it's like, oh, there's a whole nother lesson. So I feel like, you know, I know that there's some things in there that could be better. And there's, you know, so I think it's just like, and stuff's always changing too. So trying to keep up with, keep it up to date and current, I think is important too. So, yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, I think anyone who's in education knows everything is constantly in this cycle of evolution. Nothing's ever final and we're constantly going back and having to change and adapt and yeah. remix and re-up whether we are being told to, or we want to, or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Um, and so, like, I appreciate your sharing all that. And, I, and so I, I think, like, you know, as, as you're as you're talking through that, I mean, there's this this common thing of, right, this constantly, like, learning new things and, and taking risk and being vulnerable to, to uh, put yourself out there. In this case, yeah. sharing the work that you've done. I mean, uh, that's never easy to do. Um, anytime you do that, even if you are very passionate about it, anytime you put something out there, there's, there's always that feeling of like, Oh my gosh, is it worthy? Should I put it out there? Yeah. All those things. And it's, I've seen the work. And for those listening, we can 
put the link in the show notes for you to check for out sure. so you have a reference. But I think one of the of the things that we were talking about this a little bit before we were recording is like what like how do you when you see that? Um, and by that, I mean I'm thinking about the lens of computer science. And we'll just we'll stick with that because I think that's 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 prevalent in a lot of people's minds right now. But I think mm -hmm. it'd be applicable to any subject area or whatever it is that you're working on. There's there's so much out there in this day and age. There's good, bad, and indifferent. And sometimes we're being told we have to do these things. Sometimes we have things and we're teachers are constantly supplementing with new stuff to try to meet the needs of, of our learners. Yeah. Um, sometimes we have an open canvas and people are like, just figure it out, which I think sometimes the computer science right now is kind of like the wild, wild west. Um, you know, district <laughs> yeah. leaders, building admin leaders is so mm -hmm. new to them. They're not sure what to do. And it, it's not a knock to them. And so we're like, Hey, let's, let's, let's figure it out. Wh what was some of your thinking? And it's sometimes it's, it's even hard to understand our processes, but like, as you were developing some of that, what were like some of like the, the questions or things that you would, you would kind of work through to kind of figure out what was a good fit and not a good fit. And some of it's, I know, trial and tribulation, you try yeah. something like, oh, that doesn't work. And like you said, you're, you're constantly making adjustments and edits, but you know, I think that is something that a, a lot of people are grappling with, like, oh my gosh, there's computer science, right? There's, you've got big open, like everything under the sun, like a code.org. And there's mm -hmm. then a million other companies that have something and there's curriculum here and there's an unplugged activity here. And we can, I can do a picture book with this and I can put it in science and you know, the list goes <laughs> on and on and on. And then you just kind of freeze and go, wait, like what, what is computer science? You know, but yeah. you know, like, what were some of the things that you were thinking through? Um, because I think that would be really helpful for some that are like, I, I, I don't even know what to think. Yeah. You know how to sift through it. Yeah, I was, as I was, as you were talking there, I was thinking like the one piece that like I kind of left out of that story was like, you know, we had created this stuff, you know, let me back up. Like the, I don't even know when the computer science stuff came out from the state of Iowa. Yeah. Like it wasn't on my radar. We talked before, like keeping up with some of that's like, you know, Crazy. like we were already doing it regardless. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, we had COVID, so it kind of got shoved off to the side and it wasn't, you know, a priority, but we were still doing it. And then um, I think it was our computer science person at the time or our science coordinator who was overseeing some of that, like, obviously she um, was more in the know. And so she somehow, I think, got a hold of the stuff that we had created for the online learning. And, and so she was talking about how, like, these standards are going to be required. And then I'm like, oh, I start looking through them. You know, I had not really looked at them yeah. at all. And I'm like, well, we already do that. We already do that. We already do that. And they're like talking about like how to do this. And I'm like, we're already doing this. Yeah. Like, because it's not just the coding. It's, it also includes those like digital citizenship things that go into like the cyber, there's like cybersecurity and ethics, I think are part of those yep. standards. And it's like, talk to your librarian. <laughs> like we're already doing these things. So I, I was like, right away I'm like cross-referencing on this chart like hey like at each grade like checking off like what we already do so I think that was kind of like this oh like right. to my district especially because in my district all librarians at the elementary see every single kid at least once a week mm. so talk about equity yeah right yeah. like every kid is getting computer science in some way at the elementary in the library at the very minimum. So then it kind of grew from there. So 
I think part of it was, um, gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to think like back to like when I started, like where my mind was at. Like, I think at first I started, you know, code.org was really what I knew at the time and it was easy to access. So I think I started there. I utilized some of their lessons, um, you know, pulled out like vocabulary and, um, like I was saying, I don't remember if I said this when we were recording or not, but like, I wanted to make it more like explicit, right? Like this is yeah. what we're learning and this is why we're doing it. This isn't just a game you're playing online. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. if you just throw kids into hour of code or code.org, like they don't know that what they're doing is like the building blocks of computer science. Like they think they're just playing games. Exactly. And even in like scratch, like, they just go, they're like, oh, I just want to play that game that's in Scratch that somebody else made. And you know, like, I don't even look at like, click remit, like look inside and see what's all in there. But nope, they just like, it's all about the game, you know? And so it's, I think that's where it started. I wanted to, to be more like, let's learn some terminology. Let's learn like, what are we doing when we lock these blocks together? Oh, that's creating an algorithm. And then we're creating programs. And, and, um, and then as like, the technology in my district evolved and we had, we were, we went one-to-one, we had access to clever. And so then that kind of opened up the door to some other things. And even within my district, not everybody has access to the same stuff. So like um, some schools might have a whole set of spheros to work with while another school has nothing like that, you know? And the one-to-one really helped with that because even up to that point, the amount of computers in the school could be Mm. very widely because, you know, maybe that PTO paid for more Chromebooks. And so the the playing field was more leveled. And so then that kind of opened up like Codable. I can access Codable through Clever. It's easy for my kids. Can I access everything? No. But can I access enough to like get them into it? Yes. And then... um, you know, there's some other ones on there too. Like code.org was part of that. So I could like sync it with clever and make my classes through that assign work to them that way. Um, code spark was on there. So that just kind of opened up some other opportunities. And then a big thing when I was going into like creating stuff during COVID was one, we weren't gonna be able to do any physical computing. So it all had to be, you know, online. And also I wanted to make sure that everybody could access it. So like you didn't need an upgraded account. You didn't need any of these other things. And I think that's what, you know, like as I'm thinking through things, I'm like, what's accessible to everybody? Like, I don't, you know, there's a lot of great stuff out there if you can afford it, but not everybody can. Or like if, you know, like even with grants and stuff, it's kind of like, well, unless my whole district has it, like, I wasn't going to use it as an, as a, as an option. So I think, you know, as I started sifting through things, um, I kind of like see what's out there. And then I just like pull out like bits and pieces, I guess. So like something I like to do is use, you know, I, I was like, well, there's books out there that I can use. I think my, my tie-in with books and literature actually started with the like how to code a sandcastle and how to code a role. Like that book was like a game changer for me. Yeah, Cause I'm like, yeah. sweet, like this already has computer science in it. Like 
let's pull out the the terminology that they're talking about and then expand on it. So I think I started that with like, um, you know, we read the book and then like I had kids do some like sketch notes of like what an algorithm is. So we like drew little blocks and like, you know, talked more about the vocabulary and then, you know, just kind of expanded from there. So as I was building that, I think one, I wanted it to like kind of build on each other, you know, as they get older, use different things so that when they're at each grade level, they're not like, oh, I've already done this, you know? Right. And that was kind of happening with the code.org is a lot of teachers were utilizing that as like a choice, like a, a may do, you know, and like must do may do list. So when I created that, I actually didn't really include much from code.org because I was getting a lot of like pushback. And also I didn't want it to just be like, oh, assign them the course and then let them go with no direct instruction. So um, I think with, you know, as they get older, I kind of went into like more like K2, I stick to mostly like codable, right? Mm -hmm. Like when they actually do get online um, or like I created some choice words that curate some of the like easier, you know, block based, even no text at all, like just arrows based games or coding activities that are on code.org. So like, that's kind of how I tied in that stuff. Um, or I might find like an hour of code. Like I know with like fifth grade, I, one of the hour of code activities a couple years ago was through the make code. And it was like, uh, save the forest. It was something about like wildfires. I'm like, Oh, well, this is like real life. Like this is happening yeah. in our country, you know? So so, um, and it has that game component to it where they're kind of creating a game. So in that regard, like I just found like the resources that went with that and like they, they bury them. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, like I had to dig for some right, of the teacher right. materials, <laughs> but I'd find them. And then I just kind of like pick out what's important and put it into an easy to use slide deck for me and my coworkers because sometimes, you know, I'm sure, I don't know who writes those lessons. I would venture to guess it's probably not a teacher, <laughs> but it could be. But I, you know, I just kind of pick and choose what I think is most important and then, um, you know, expand it from there. So I try to keep like, there's always a vocabulary component. Um, I try to put like some kind of image or icon with it to make it visual and then, um, you know, the concepts are there. And then I try to reinforce the concept either through like an online activity or there are some unplugged or replugged as I call them, like putting them into like Jamboard and they have to like draw out the, the algorithm to like get the from point A to point B or, or what have you. So I don't even know if that answered your question. No, it does. And, you know, as, as you're going through that, I think there's a couple interesting parts that really stood out and, and, and one I'll just say for those listening to get into the show notes and you can click on all the things that uh, generally is talking about. So you can kind of get a sense of, you know, it'll make clear sense because her, <laughs> yeah, <doesn't> her, <laughs> her, her, her graphic design work is, is phenomenal and the way it's organized and just all the things will, will really come to light on that. But I think something that that's really fascinating and, this comment is not to su to suggest that educators aren't thinking about it, but I think it's it's easy to get caught up in 
what materials do we have? What grants, what things do we need to buy and, and the products? Mm-hmm. And, and you hit on something there that probably comes a lot from your online teaching work that you're doing, which I also want to put in a caveat, which is what you're doing. Uh, I'm speaking on for you and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, because <laughs> I think this is something that, that continues. I've, 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 it's, it's really to me intriguing that you guys are still offering that as an option to kids, but it's not emergency remote teaching. This is true, like yeah. <laughs> virtual instruction, which is a night and day difference. And I think yeah. one of the downsides to, to COVID, um, as everybody was in survival mode and emergency mode, trying to shift things online, like that isn't necessarily what like virtual instruction actually is. There was no. a, a moment of panic. And like you said, like yeah. there's not enough hours and days to do the stuff. And not that that stuff was uh, bad, but there was always room for improvement, but people were just trying to just figure it out. And and mm-hmm. what you're doing is not that it's, it's, it's a whole different level. And there's, so I wanted to put yeah. that there because I think sometimes that the brain still associates, if you had children or parents, whatever, that it's all the same and it's not. Um, but back to what I was trying to say, I think having that, that background, that thing of you thinking about the accessibility um, yeah, it's something that I think is really important for districts and 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 schools that are trying to work across, like say multiple elementaries, or even thinking vertical articulation K twelve is, what is it that we could say is accessible for every single kid? Like you said, it's nice that teacher librarians see every single kid. That is awesome, mm-hmm. and I think in some shape or form, there's someone that holds true to that in a building, whether it's a teacher librarian or something else. Yeah. Uh, but then to make sure the accessibility to the learning is there. And yeah. then if you happen to ha- be a building that has received grants or whatever the thing might be, and you have other things, obviously utilize that. But I think that that conversation needs to come into what can we ensure every kid could access? I think that is really vital. And just, again, then that K-12 conversation, like the must do maybe that you were talking about. So there isn't an overlap because we all know the minute a kid says, I've already done this, they're checked out, whether they yep. truly understood it or actually did it or dove deep or surface level, it doesn't matter if they think they've done it. Like, yeah, it's, I already like, know this. It's, it's really, really hard to bring them back in. Um, mm-hmm. So I think having that conversation and we've talked about in some districts I've worked with, like sometimes it's it's the exact same stuff, say like a, a code.org, but if the kids have been in it for three, four, five, six years, you can move to like a make code, still actually have the same concepts, less of objective because it's on a different platform. The kids think it's brand new or, you yeah. know what I mean? Or you could go from like yeah. a scratch to here to there. And it doesn't, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just sometimes you gotta, you gotta mix it up for them to feel that it's something new. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, so I think those are like when you're talking, I think for a lot of people to think about that's a great starting point. I think that kind of helps to narrow things down, right? Because otherwise you get caught in the conversation like, but I have cube, cubots, and I have makey makeys, and I have micro bits, and I have nothing. So we're all going to do our own thing and come back and share. Well, that doesn't help. It's what can yeah. we do maybe at that starting point, mm-hmm. and then build you yeah. know, around those lines. And maybe that opens up further dialogue around accessibility for all. And what should that look like um, yeah. as you get into that work? Well, yeah, because like even when I was working on this stuff, like and when I was kind of redesigning it, like I had this thought, you know, like I was going into it from, okay, well, I'm going to be teaching this online. So I have to like if I make if I'm putting the work into this, I'm going to make sure I can use it. Right. But then I also know that that's not like 
I know in my district, probably all over, like we just like, we went one-to-one -one during COVID. So it was like, here's a Chromebook, figure it out, you know? So, but right, it's right. like, even for teachers. So it's like, there's so much, like it's almost over use of Chromebooks, yeah. right? So yeah, I also yes. wanted to make sure that there was like the option not to have a Chromebook. Yes. You know, for part of it at least. And so, like you said, we'll share all the links, but like I have in there, like a lot of times I have like a Jamboard version. So if you do want to put them on a computer, you can, or if you just don't want to print out all the stuff, <laughs> you can, <laughs> you know? And then I also have like a printable version. So if you want to get cut and paste and, or just have it, you know, cut it out, laminate it and give them dry erase marker, you know, and then you can erase it and reuse it. And then something I was starting to add was some, elements for like physical computing if that's something that you have access to so like you know in my district we have sphero kits that you can check out and you know you get so much time with them throughout the year and and stuff like that but it's also kind of a lottery like did you get the sign up fast enough and when are you getting them <laughs> and how often can kids actually use them but right. um you know like i try to think through like okay, well, here's one way to do it. Here's another way. And then I, you know, I started to add in some of that, like now that we can actually touch things again, yeah, people will start like using B-Bots or Spheros or Dash and Dot, whatever your, your choice is like that, that option would be there. If like you wanted to add that, take that one lesson and just do it in a different way. Right. Right. And yeah. And I think what you said about like that conversation of like, who's doing what actually we had to have a conversation like that with the ELP coordinator in my district because they got a grant from the Iowa STEM, the scale up grants for like the storybook STEM. And I think at one of one or a couple of the buildings, some of the kids were like, we've already done that. We're, mm. They're doing that in library. And I'm like, well, we don't have those kits, but I mean, we do use books in some of our lessons. And so yeah. then this conversation opened up and I think, I think part of the struggle, especially with like in an ELP thing is that at one point in time, computer science, that's the only way you were going to get it is if yeah. you were an ELP kid, you know? Right, right. And so I think that is one of the, the great things about these being required is like, well, at least it's becoming not just if I'm, you know, smart enough or gifted right. enough, you know, cause I think there's a lot of kids that thrive in computer science that don't thrive in other typical areas of schooling. Like some of those kids who struggle the most excel the most when it comes to the coding and computer science. So. Yeah. And I've heard those I stories. Think, you hear those stories time and time again, yeah. there's something that, that engagement piece, there's something for a lot of kids, like their, their brain gets it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yeah, maybe their, their reading and writing skills maybe aren't where they need yeah. to be but they're able to the literacy can, of computer yeah. science they yeah. <laughs> they get it you know and there's so i yeah. think there's there, like there, they can tell a you a story there. with oh in scratch but they can't write it down for you yeah. you know like yeah. it's different things like that but i think it's it's been good at least within my district and i don't know if this is happening elsewhere it probably is but like one i think it's really opened the eyes of some people especially administrators in my district of like what we librarians are doing you know like oh there are like like we're meeting the standard for you yes yes <laughs> the requirements right and that's not to say that it can't be improved and done 
you know, you know, we can't continue to improve upon it. But like, I think that opens up this conversation of like, okay, well, now everybody's getting a baseline, right? Like we're at least getting something at yeah. the elementary level. Like I, I will not tell you, like these lessons that I created and units of work are not like you're going to be a master computer scientist, right? They're just like pretty entry level across the board. And then like, you know, if they are in ELP, they could like extend on that or, you know, my district is going to move to a middle school model, but like in the next couple of years, but I know one of the exploratory court, they're going to have some computer science in their exploratory courses. Um, they used, they were calling them exposure <laughs> to start with. And we're like, that'll go over well. The right word. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like exploratory <laughs> or something like that. And then, you know, high school, obviously it gets more into it, but I think, you know, you might have a lot more kids that now that they have that, at least some kind of baseline knowledge. And then I think those exploratory courses, like all kids will take, like they all just kind of like, you know, so they get kind of a taste of what, what options there are. And then they can, you know, as you get older, you can choose your path that's best for you. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it definitely allows, allows, it's, it's, it's creating that spark and that opportunity yeah. for kids to see themselves in these in these fields and the goal isn't necessarily that we need more computer scientists but it's to provide the opportunity before kids make up their mind that they're not that you know and, and you yeah. hear those types of of comments uh, by adults mm -hmm. and and educators right like i'm not a math person or i'm not a computer science person or i'm not a whatever fill in the blank yeah. and it's not that it's it, it's it, I, I like what you've created and you know that it's just that exposure that opportunity where I'm seeing myself in this work. And then, it, you know, as you're getting into middle school, you get some more opportunities. Well, now, you know, at least they have that on the table. Uh, we're so, for yeah. so long. It's, you didn't have anything until high school. And most kids had their minds made up that I'm not doing that. And now yeah. at least they're getting a taste for it. And they're able to see computer science in, in, in a way that it's not just, well, people like me, a middle-aged white guy, you know, at yeah. a computer cranking code. Like it's, it's, it's in everything. It's all over. We can do it in science and we can do it in literacy. Mm -hmm. literature, and we can do it in, in, in library and we can do it with picture books. And I think that's the, 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 the real, the real beauty of this is that opportunity to just bring that to light and, and, yeah. and change the narrative of, of confidence and how we see ourselves. Uh, and so I think mm -hmm. that's just such a really, really powerful um, element that I think comes out of the for Iowa ways legislation. So yeah. it's, it's not just done in, in pockets, like it's been in the past where there's, yeah. you know, a handful of kids maybe get it if you're lucky. Now we know everyone's going to at least get a, get a chance for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like going back to where I started, like that was my mindset with those students I was working. I mean, it was like 75 to 80% free and reduced lunch building, you know, like these yeah. kids, they don't have, and at that point we were not one-to-one, -one. like these kids, don't have a device at home they don't have access you know outside of maybe their parents phone or you know they might have yeah an ipad or some some kind of a tablet but you know just trying to get that introduction and that exposure there i think that's that's just so helpful i feel like i had another thought that was going in my brain but i lost <laughs> it so it, uh, hopefully it'll come back to me yeah. when you're talking i'm like oh i want to say that but now no. i forgot what it was yeah no, it's great. And I think, you know, 
I want to be respectful of your time here as I'm looking on the on the thing here. And I think it, it goes back to, and I'm glad you actually brought that up, that, you know, a lot of this work, when you set out on your journey, I think like a lot of us, especially if you're an elementary educator, um, you didn't get into the work, however you got there, whether through think you're going to do nursing or business yeah. and, and find your way in there, <laughs> no matter how we got into the, the field of education. But I think especially at the elementary where I think a lot of the, the stress is really, it's it's everywhere, but it's really at the elementary level. Uh, we didn't get into that kind of into this profession to teach computer science. Like it just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't on the radar for a lot of people. And it's probably still not on the radar in a lot of programs right now as, as the higher eds are still trying to figure out what that looks like and trying to mm-hmm. squeeze in all the pieces. But for you, and I'm interpreting, you know, it, it started with you back with a, a passion and a spark, right? You were working yeah. with with students and you knew they needed um, an opportunity to see this stuff in, in whatever shape or form it took. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, even if we ourselves as the adults maybe don't feel the most confident in this work, it's looking at what our what we're, what we're generally passionate about. And like in general, mm-hmm. a common thing would be students. But yeah. also looking at your other skill sets, and we didn't even get time to come into this, you know, but like you, not just did you curate lessons, but your 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 graphic design work really shines in the work. And so I think just coming back to like, who are we as a professional? What creates yeah. spark? And then how do we utilize that to help ourselves build our own confidence so that we can in turn help build confidence in kids? Mm-hmm. And that's going to look different for all of us. But I think, you know, that's one of the cool things, I mean, hearing you talk now a couple of times and just connecting with you more here recently, it's just that like you've put your own kind of twists and things into it um, and your own flavor. And I think that's, that, that's a real nice thing for people to think about is like, yeah. how are you going to make this and to do what's best for kids, which is what we're all striving to do. Yeah. And I, the one thing I think too, I remember what I was going to say and it ties well into what you just said um, <laughs> is like, you know, you said like a lot of people don't see themselves of like, I don't see myself as a computer scientist. Like, right. I mean, I have, I know enough that I could like do some things, but like, you know, I'm not a master at it by any means. But I think one of the mindsets that you learn through that is like trial and error, right? Yeah. Or like, there's a lot of growth mindset that comes with it. And I think there's a lot of power in you as a teacher learning with your students and saying like, I don't know all the answers to this. Like, we're going to work through this together. And I've heard it time and again from, you know, my library peers that like the kids like figure it out before they do. And that's okay. Like it's, you know, like that, how great for them, right. To feel like empowered in that way to like, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of vulnerability there of being like, Oh, I don't know as much as I should about this, but I think, I think that's part of the process. And I think there's nothing wrong with letting kids, you know, feel like they're leaders and taking the lead in some of that and like knowing more than you. Like, I don't think that there's, we all have our strengths, like you said. So it's like, I love that. I think it's, you know, anyone that's listened to any previous episodes has come up a, a couple of times and I'm glad you brought that up. It's giving ourselves permission to say, I don't know, mm-hmm. and, but reminding ourselves that you are still the expertise in managing a classroom to ensure kids are learning. 
And that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a computer science whiz in order to bring these experiences into the classroom. It's okay. You know how to manage a class. I, I watched, I was just in elementary classrooms yesterday and it is magical how they navigate bodies moving in all directions and stations. And I wonder, sometimes <laughs> I wonder like, how does that fall apart when we get to secondary? But that's a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> like, like you have, you are a professional. You know how to yeah. manage a class. You know how to help kids stay on task, but it's also okay for you to go, I don't know how to do that either. Let's sit down and learn together. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're not a professional. Um, and I think sometimes that like, we kind of combine that thing. We're not allowed to say that. And um, yeah. so I think that's, that, that, that's really important. I'm glad you, 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 you brought that in. Um, you know, as we yeah. bring this to a close, I, one, I appreciate you taking time to to share your journey and share your insights. I, I know it's going to resonate with so many that are in these shoes, trying to figure out this journey, whether they're volunteering or they're voluntold or <laughs> they might soon find voluntold. out it's on their plate, whatever it yeah. might be, you know, and, I know we said already, we'll put some of that stuff in the notes, but if if, if people want to reach out and, and learn more about you, we'll get this in the show notes. But I always like to ask just in case people are, you know, at a red light at their car and they want to learn more about you, where are some of the best places for them to uh, follow your work and, and see what you got going on? Um, well, I, I am slowly becoming reactive on my, I, you know, it's like you kind of ebb and flow. Like I was yeah. super active and then you just kind of like, your priorities shift and stuff. It's not so always worth it. It's I recently just, it. yeah, I recently, um, I kind of streamlined. So I have an Instagram and a Twitter and they're both at Jenna Lee create. So they're both the same. Keep it simple. Um, my name is hard to spell. Uh, it's J E N A H L E E. It's all one word. No, no two N's and that H it throws people off. <laughs> uh, I come from a family of six kids, all J names. So they had to get creative. They yeah, had to get, they had to get creative. creative. <laughs> I was only the third one, you know, first girl though. <laughs> it was like, um, yeah, so they can find me there, and um, and then my email. It'll just be easier to put it in the. You can yep. email me. I'm there. Message me on social media or send me an email. I'm one of those people that's like, I will not go more than 24 hours without responding to you. So <laughs> that driver uh, mindset, right? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, when people don't, I'm like, answer the question. Yes. I know <laughs> yeah. you read it. I know you I saw know you it. did. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get all that in the yeah. in the show notes there. So um I really appreciate it. And uh thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work, sharing your work. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully you get to to feel some of the the reverbs from from sharing that as I know I can already from some previous stuff we've done the impact it's already having on people. So um, it's, I, I know it's being muchly appreciated as you continue to uh, share your work and your narrative. So, so, so mm -hmm. thanks for joining today. Yeah. Thank you. I should say one last thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is totally a personal plug and it doesn't matter if you want to, we, we briefly touched on my graphic design, but like, if you lick through, lick through that stuff and you're like, Oh, this, you know, whatever I was, I am doing a, a 30 minute webinar for iTech on graphic design on February 24th. So if you yes. go to the iTech, any of their social media links are there to register. And I think if you registered, you can't attend because it's like 1130 to 12 on a Friday. So you can get the recording. So if that's something that you're. Yeah, we'll put that in the show know, notes. Into, and, I'm and I'm registered yeah. because I want to see uh, 
the process behind <laughs> that after seeing your work. I'm like, holy cow, that's okay. I got some work to do. So that'll have <laughs> just, to be. Just ask Andrew. Be, uh, He's like, great. She's on my team now. So she yeah, keeps me like. There you go. There you go. Maybe that'll <laughs> so, be our. Our, yeah. our part two episode on the graphic design yeah. we, did, we didn't get yeah. we didn't get time to uh touch upon <laughs> yeah that one's a little harder when you're just talking you know yeah. like some yeah. of the some of that you got to see it so yeah yeah anyways well yeah well thanks for having me i appreciate you thinking of me and good conversation yes absolutely i really appreciate it and i know uh the listeners will as well so thank you yeah thank you Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.